I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Don't you know what half a 25 is without a calculator? Wow! Hi and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. On this day in 1974. Well, not the day they're listening to it. It's July 17th right now. The day we're recording it, The day we're recording. Jenny is now... On this day in 1974. Jenny is now officially a spinster. I'm, I'm now officially in my late 40s. Is that how we're doing that? Early 40s is like 40 through 43, and then 44 through like 46 is mid 40s. Uh-huh. Right? Mm hmm. Sure. Or am I still in my mid 40s? No, I, no, you're definitely in your late 40s. Ah, uh, fuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jen, I think we need to make a recommendation. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> I know what it is Clarkson's Farm. <laughs> it is. The best. I, I love it. I really think the Mimis would love it. Oh, my God. This is if I had a farm. So Clarkson's farm is, if you're familiar with Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear, he went, like, Top Gear has ended. So he's gone and done his own thing. And he's he has this thousand acre farm. It's something like a thousand acres in northern in, England. In UK, yeah. And... He's always paid people to farm it. Like, it's always... He's lived in London, and his people have lived out there and have done the farming. But this year, he decided to farm it. And, it, like, if you know Jeremy Clarkson, his brand of humor, it's hilarious. Well, I, I just think that... Um, I think before, though, like, it wasn't really that much of a working farm. Like, he just had right. people kind of maintaining yeah. it. So well, he... no. The kid was doing the fields and stuff. Yeah, but, like, I don't think he was, like... It wasn't, like a heavily working farm. I think they were doing like, you know, like a couple fields of wheat. He didn't have animals on it. And shit. Right, right, right. And he decides that he's going to like make this a farm. Guys, and I don't, I don't know Top Gear. I never watched it. You don't and need I, to. And you I still love to. it. Yeah. It's hilarious. You don't need yeah. to. If you know Top Gear, you'll appreciate this a little more because he does make Top Gear references that you pick up. <laughs> But you don't need to know Top Gear to watch this. It's so great. In one episode, oh my god, guys, he gets sheep. The sheep are the greatest thing. And just to watch Jeremy like this just 
tough guy, like melting with these. <laughs> he's like have a meltdown. He's like crying over them. He's delivering their lambs. <laughs> the he's best like... though is when three of the sheep get sick, <laughs> and he comes out to the field and he goes, "Are those the broken ones?" <laughs> <laughs> It's like I sometimes talk about animals like that, and people get really upset with that. Great, yes. There (laughs) is like for those the broken ones. He's like, I have four seventy eight sheep, and now four are broken because then there was another one. (laughs) Got sick, and there's like there's a great cast of ancillary characters. Like it's just fantastic. It's really he's reading a book about sheep diseases, (laughs) and it's all about like. Like 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 vaginas that are prolapsed and stuff. He's like, what is everything about a vagina for sheeps? Um, how uh, about the I was two, laughing so How hard. about the two bulls that he gets and he names them? I forget what he names them, but they're hilarious. That was a great episode. That was yeah. probably my favorite episode. Yeah. I watched like maybe four or five of them. I think that so far is my favorite. And then like when they're setting up the farm store. Yes. His yeah. wife, or is it, it's his girlfriend. His it's girlfriend his girlfriend. It's like, well, 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 you have water here, but it, there's no place for it to go. And he's like, he's like, let's not get bogged down with the lack of formal drainage. <laughs> he's saying stuff to, like that all the time. Did you get to the episode yet where she stocks the store, and the regulation is that they're only supposed to get produce from within twenty miles, and she has like avocado. And banana. And he's like, where did the avocado come from? Is that Charlie that cuts that all down? Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. He Charlie's comes in great. and just shits all over their parade all the time with, like, regulations and stuff. It's great. Yeah. It's a good show, guys. Like, I can't, yeah, really I can't express how I fell in love with it. And you wouldn't think, like, I could watch a whole hour on no, how to plow. Think. Yes, you can. So it was, it was really good. And it was it's really, good. you didn't it's see funny. it all the way through, right, Jane? No. Like no. it's really touching in the end and really really sweet. So it's it's a great watch, Mimi's. Let us know if you do watch it, how you feel about it, because we're we're digging on it right now. Timmy and I watched the whole thing. All right, Jay. So let's get down to business here. Today we're covering Little House on the Prairie, season five, episode eight, Harriet's Happenings. The description reads When Harriet Olson's cousin Sterling Murdoch comes to town, he brings his newspaper business with him. Everyone is initially excited about this, but trouble ensues when Murdoch gives gossip-mongering Harriet her own column and allows her the freedom to write whatever she wants. Ooh, exciting. All right, Jen, so we open on Harriet bossing some sign hangers around. Can we say this is written by John T. Dugan? Who is wrote... he new? No, he wrote a couple things, maybe in season three. He's We've seen him before. Okay. And Claxton, directed by Claxton. Michael Land is out of the directing chair. Okay. Well, he's in the acting chair in a big way. Yeah, in a big way. Mm -hmm. Yep. So they're hanging the sign for the pen and the plow. I have a question. Did they, is that a, they repurposed the bank? I think that's the bank, right? I don't know. That building's the bank. I don't think it's a new building. I don't know. So we meet Harriet's cousin, Sterling, who gets off the stagecoach and hugs someone else. The entire town has come out to greet Sterling Murdoch. And he is Harriet's second cousin on her mother's side once removed. Yes. Now, do we know what the once removed means? I, You know what? I used to know that, and now I don't really remember it. I think it's the mother's cousin's cousin, maybe? It's no, something no, no. weird like that. So, the once removed refers to you're removed by a generation. So, oh, okay. For example, mom's first cousin is Mark. 
So Mark is our first cousin once removed. No, he's our second cousin. Nope. First cousin once removed. Are you sure about that? Yes. Okay. So he is Harriet's Harriet's second cousin, cousin on her mother's side once removed. Whatever. They don't seem okay. to even know each other. All right. So Jen, the town claps when he arrives. And, he's, and he, he gives all this flowery speech. He starts to opine about <laughs> yes, he opines. how he is moving west in hopes of finding the end of the rainbow. And today he found, feels like he found it. And Charles is rolling Charles, his eyes. Charles is like, you are so full of shit. Like he's, Charles is <laughs> like, you are so pretentious, yeah, dude. Yeah, they hate him. Harriet says she has goose flesh. Ew. Okay. Can we discuss that his name is Sterling? Same name as your cat? I know. And Murdoch? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. After school, Laura invites a rando, Eric, to see the newspaper's printing press. But this rando can't go. Yes, Jenny. What was the point of that scene? I don't know. Just to introduce the rando, I guess. Because, of course, the rando figures heavily in this Oh, is he? Episode. That was Schiller? That was the it's Schiller Eric kid? Schiller, yeah. Okay. So, Laura now has a posse. Did you notice this? With Andy and Albert. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She has a little posse. So, the kids go over to Pen and Plow, and they witness Charles and Big Garvey getting jobs as paper boys for $3 a week. I saw that. So, Murdoch's, like, handing out jobs like they're, you know, free. He's just like, you guys can deliver the paper. And Albert gets a job as a typesetter. And Laura gets a job as a typesetter. And Andy Garvey gets a job hanging out flyers. It's like, you get a job, you get a job, you get a job. I have an index card. Who invented the printing press? Johan Gutenberg. (laughs) Johannes Gutenberg. And that's because I told you Johannes. But you did get Gutenberg. Yes, guys. Jenny gave me a little preview into this that's fine but i did know it was gutenberg yes but that is not actually correct that's but that's what people but that's what people that is the whitewashed history of the printing press and that was the jeopardy question he did not invent the printing press okay it was he improvised on it he he made a lot of critical improvements to it to be fair okay that helped make it um that helped universal make, make it more universal exactly so the original invention was credited to Bai Sheng, who invented movable type in China in the 11th century. The type was made from clay. The clay blocks were later replaced by wood blocks in 1297 by Wang Chen. Wang Chen printed a treatise on agriculture and farming pro- practices called Nung Shu. This was considered the world's first mass-produced book. So, like, this was a real printing press. Mm, okay. 150 years later, so now we're talking, like, mid-15th century... Gutenberg, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, invents the printing press in France. He was German, okay. right? The Gutenberg press replaced wood with metal. He also applied the replica casting method, which allowed replication of letters via a mold. So this allowed for, a, uh, for us to be able to replicate it much faster, but also improved uniformity. The first official newspaper... So he printed the Gutenberg Bible. That's like the famous right. first printing right. So in the yes. West, he brought the printing press to the West. But Which was important. Not the person who invented it. It was invented like 200 years earlier. Did you notice, not only did I zone out during that, but I took my headphones clean off okay. and murdered an ant in the corner well, of my Well, you sure what I said about you while your headphones were off. 
<laughs> the first official newspaper was called Relation, printed in Strasbourg in 1605. So by now, the 1880s, the printing press has been around for almost 300 years. Like, that's that's very common. It was still very expensive and takes a lot to run, as you see. I wonder... I wonder if when the printing press happened, if people treated it like we treat the internet. Like, oh, oh the we're world fucked. was so much better before the yeah. printing press. Probably. Now, any, yeah. now anybody can write anything yeah. and, and mass yeah, probably. distribute it. I guarantee it. Same thing with TV, radio. Like, it's all the same shit. We always go through this shit. Do you remember when we were growing up, it was like a thing that you watched too much TV. Yeah. Yeah. And now guess what all our parents are doing? They're fucking... Playing video games all the time on their friggin' iPads, and they're watching a thousand hours of TV. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mom well, will be like, "Oh, I watched Mayor of Easttown last night," and I'm like, "Oh, did you like it? What episode are you on?" She's like, "I watched no, I the watched whole thing. It. Yeah, the whole thing yeah. last night." Yeah, and I remember yelling them at yelling, them yelling at us for watching too much TV, and then for yeah. playing video games. Can you believe Mom plays video games? Yes. Well, after she, the to hell, be fair, it's, she plays like Candy it's Crush. It's casual gaming. But the <laughs> fact that she's playing something that is a video game after the hell she put us through with not letting us play video games as much as we wanted to. Yeah, mom, guys, I recently just got back from a vacation with my mom. We just took the girls down to the beach real quick. We had a few Boomer Gen X clashes, and one of them was <laughs> mom said that her uh, motto in life is trust but verify. Oh, no. And I said, mine is trust, trust no, no one. one. Trust no one. <laughs> trust no one. Trust no one. <laughs> trust but verify. I feel like that's not the boomer motto. I think it's trust and like maybe someone tells you that you're wrong later. <laughs> trust yeah, right. until someone tells you you're wrong and then double down. The yeah, there you motto. go. There you go. All right, Jen. So the pen and the plow is up and moving here. Now, we have dinner that night, and, and they're at the Olsons, and Sterling is opining again about newspaper being the mother's milk of an infant town. And I just wrote, he is fucking insufferable. First of all, he's a terrible, he's not poetic. No. 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 He reminds me of... David Foster Wallace? No, he reminds me of <laughs> Sebastian Bach writing 18 in Life. <laughs> Like, oh, guys, guess what I came up with? Oh, gosh, yeah. Ricky was a young boy. He had a heart of stone. Drove like a... Wait, shot. Wait. Ricky was a young boy. Fought like a switchblade so no one could take him down. Get it, guys? Like, get it? He's like a switchblade. This is Sterling Murdoch sitting down to pen these lines. It's really bad. It's bad. And I wonder, like, how the writer had to write this stuff. He's probably, like, gagging while he's writing it. And then Harriet okay. jumps in and is even worse. Oh, yeah. Harriet is like, you're amazing. And she tries to, to do the she, same thing. She says thing something about, really like, can't. Walnut Grove nursing at the bosom of, like, the newspaper. Suckling. 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 I was like, this is garbage. Did you see Nell's face? Yeah. <laughs> Nell's was horrified. I think Nell's went through the whole transformation in Winoka, like, I feel like we're the, like, Nels is now the face of the viewer. Yes. Nel, Jen, Nels is doing our classic, Am I Here Right Now? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Nels starts to ask Sterling, like, how he makes up the insides of the newspaper. And Sterling says that the bulk of the news gets shipped in from St. Paul. So, kind of like, like an associate press, situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the rest is made up here. So there's like two or three pages that are made up here. Local and he news. Says, yep. 
He says he needs a a dedicated lead reporter to write a weekly column about the people of Walnut Grove. This must be a weekly paper, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And does Nels know anyone? And Harriet's like, I have a plan. Me, bitches. I'm here. I've been waiting my whole life for this. It won't cost either of us a cent. Yeah. So then now, don't forget, he's handing out jobs left and right a minute ago. Suddenly, he can't pay Harriet, well, can his we, lead reporter. Can we discuss what those jobs pay, too? So, Charles and Jonathan, as paper boys, make $3 a week, right? Mm-hmm. That's $75. Yeah, they were pretty excited about it. Are you starting to break down the formula aim of the inflation here? Mm-mm. Really? 25 times? There you go. You got it. Mm, thank you. And I looked that up because I'm like, it just feels like not enough. But it's that's to 2020. It was like $26, yeah, like 25 to 26. I've seen it like in that range. It's a lot of money for them. So, but but in today's money, it would be $75 a week. Right, but they only had to work 2 hours. Uh, so I guess if you only had to work 2 hours, that w- that would be yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's about right. I was thinking it was for a whole week's work. That's I mean, <laughs> you know, with our minimum wage being $7 that's an hour true, here in Pennsylvania, yeah. you'd have to work 10 hours. Wow. But you know, whatever. And then the 50 cents a week that the kids are getting, they work a lot more, though. Because right. it probably takes at least a few hours to set that type. Wait, let me see if I can do this. Uh, did you just pull out a calculator? Okay, hold on. 50 times Aim. Aim. 25. 50 cents. It's half. $12.50. You just divide, you divide 25 <laughs> and half. Wow. You had to use a calculator for that? Yes. How else would you do it? If one dollar equals twenty five, fifty cents is half of twenty five. <laughs> Don't you know what half of twenty five is without a calculator? Wow. Yeah, that I would know, but I wouldn't know to half it. Oh it my god! Oh me. my god! <laughs> okay, we got to work on that. <sighs> but I can opine. And then Harriet says, "I'll name names." <laughs> He goes, make sure you name names. She's like, oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's going to call it Harriet's Happenings, Jen. Oh, boy. So next we see Alice Garvey, and she's in the store, and she can't pay her credit. So Harriet bribes her into asking if Nellie can win the, the local spelling bee to go on to the regionals. If she could represent Walnut Grove in the regionals. Yes. Which is being decided by having a spelling bee in school, and whoever wins represents... The logo. Right. I put that Harriet bamboozled Alice. Ooh, that's a good verb. Right? I feel like bamboozled. that's what happened. She did. She did. But then Harriet thought they had a deal, and Alice was just kind of like, whatever. And it wasn't really a deal. Yeah, it really wasn't a deal. I don't think Alice's mind goes that far. No, and she oh, never Alice said, is like... a little saucy minx. I think she would know <laughs> what was happening. And she would just be like, fuck you, Harriet. Right. Okay. So... She then Harriet names herself the chairperson of the spelling bee. Okay, declared. Okay. okay. Alice agrees to this and then Harriet lets her put shit on credit. Yes. Okay. Now But Alice see... didn't really agree to it. Not really. No, she didn't. No. No. Mm-mm. Then we see Rando Eric with his Germanic speaking parents. German speaking parents? Mm-hmm. Okay. His dad can't read. A can't can read of English. And Harriet assumes he needs reading glasses. So she's literally trying to make up news to go into yes. the paper. Yes. But really, he just can't read English. Right. Because that is not his language. Right. Yep. Probably okay. can read German just fine. Yes. 
Okay, so so we discovered that he is, he just he speaks German, right. plain and simple. So then Nels gets wind of the ad that Harriet is planning to place in the paper. And it says 20% off anything. He's like, how can we give 20% off so of everything? Can we discuss that the pro- is the profit margin at this time for retail less than 20%? Like now, it's like 80%. Oh, yeah. So like you can, you can have 50% off clothing sales and still make a ton of money on them. Guys, I know way too much about retail because my uh-huh. mother is like a boss at TJ Maxx or was and... All I hear about is retail and the markup, and it's, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I lot. mean, I love TJ Maxx, and I get it, but I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we worked in retail. Yes. Like, I worked. But I don't care. But I worked in retail, like, when I was in, in Syracuse, I worked in, like, a small store called, oh, what the hell is that store oh, called? Oh, the shoe store. J. Michael Shoes. Yes. It was so it was like a little independent owned store. So we did all the markups. Like we knew what the stuff like we did the buying yes. and the markups. So like I got to yes. see that side of it. And it's literally like they literally would mark it it's up like seventy percent. Yeah. But guys, like I know all about how these models work and stuff because I have to listen to it all the time. <laughs> so um anyway, so Harriet's like, look, dude, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna raise the prices thirty percent. Then they take off 20%. We're really getting 10% more. Which I thought was price gouging, but I don't think it is. Because price gouging is when there's an emergency. Right, right, when there's a need. Yeah. Yeah, like like assholes who price gouged masks and stuff during right. the pandemic. Like, yeah. Or the dude on the corner when it's pouring mm-hmm. rain mm-hmm. who jacks his umbrella up to $20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. So that, um, so they're just, they're just doing shitty practices. It's not like they're right. doing anything illegal. Well, Harriet's being a capitalist. She totally is. Yeah. She totally is. So now we see the paper at work. As Laura and Albert are typesetting, they're also reading the paper, Jen. So they're reading a little bit of Harriet's happenings. And they see that Nellie is named to represent Walnut Grove in the spelling bee. And Laura's like, how does she know that? Because that didn't (laughs) happen. The spelling bee in school didn't happen yet to determine that Right, it didn't happen. All right, so the next day the paper's out, and it reads, War Declared. Now, I just want to talk about this for a minute. These people are only, what, 30 years out from a civil war? And Harriet's yes. putting War Declared on the front well, page and, of the and newspaper? And for, the first, for, for a hot second, I was like, what war did I forget about? Because yeah. the next war would be... And then I'm like, did they fuck up their timeline again? Because the next war would be right. World War One, right? Right. 1914. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the headline of the newspaper reads, War Declared. The town is in a complete panic. Now, of because course again, they are. They just had their country and their lives yeah, ripped torn apart, apart 30 years earlier. Yeah. Yep. So, no, Jen. It's an ad for the mercantile. The Olsons declare war on high prices and shoddy oh merchandise. God. Now, I want to say something. Okay. This is the headline is an ad? Yeah, apparently that's pretty uh, expensive ad space. Like, wouldn't you use, this is, this guy doesn't know how to he run He has no paper. idea what he's doing. You yeah. would use one of the stories that the AP has given you. Yes, as the headline. As the headline. Yes. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> so now we see that Jonathan Garvey show up to Baker's to show him something in Harriet's happenings. <laughs> Jen, this is so great. She's coming for much, Baker. Much like Jenny and I malign Doc Baker <laughs> on a daily basis, Harriet has chosen to malign Doc Baker. And she wrote that Doc Baker has lost another patient. Yet another patient. 
yet another patient when Ezra Jenkins died last week. And Doc Baker's all like, Ezra Jenkins was 97 and he just plumb wore out. Fair. Fair. This is so great. And Jonathan goes, hey, must be right. It says it in the paper. And it says it was written by Walnut Grove's leading citizen. Oh, my God. And Doc Baker says, misleading citizen is more like it. (laughs) Later, Carolyn is reading Gossip to Charles. Someone has been spending a lot of time at Widow Foster's house lately, Jen. Thank God this wasn't when the whole Widow Thurman thing was going on. One can only wonder if his wife knows. And Charles is like, that dude is fixing her roof. What the fuck? Charles is pissed. He's pissed. He hates this this kind of shit. He hates Mm -hmm. this kind of shit. So then, also, Jen, Sally Larson has left her husband to go to Chicago. Is there someone special in Chicago? Could this split be permanent? And Carolyn's like, it's her father. He's dying. (laughs) So yeah, the split might be permanent. Oh my God. Okay. Later at the Olsons, Nels and Harriet walk in. (laughs) Willie is lounging on the sofa. Drawing a mustache on his mother's picture. Willie is a motherfucking boss. <laughs> I love Willie so much. How did we not appreciate him, him in the time? Love him. There, so Nels and Harriet come in and they're exhausted from the big sale. And Harriet wants to next week raise the prices 40% and offer 25%. Nels is appalled, but I'm like, Nels. This is what you do. How many times are we going through this, dude? Yep. That you're appalled by her behavior. Well, and the best is Nels picks up the paper to show her something, and he see, he see, you can tell he, and he sees just the looks picture, at Willie. and he turns it over so Harry can't see it. Yep. <laughs> and what does Nels pick up the paper to look at, Jen? I forget. Harriet has written that someone had a baby at seven months. Oh, that's right. Conce- conceived out of wedlock, maybe. And Nels is like. I talked to Doc Baker. That baby was born premature. Because apparently everybody's medical history is like common yeah. knowledge to the whole town. <laughs> Nels, Nels just went into Doc Baker's and he There's said, no privacy. There's no <laughs> fucking privacy at this time. It makes you appreciate like HIPAA laws and shit. Jenny, you would die. Oh my God. And then, you would die during this ta- time. Like if you lived in Walnut Grove and everyone knew your business. Oh, I would hate that shit. Oh my God. And then Harriet replies with, it's a fact that there are rumors. Because he's like, you're not supposed to write rumors. You're supposed to write facts. And she goes, it's a fact that there are rumors. Wait, I just need to address something. Um, When we were talking about Mary's illness being in the paper, did you see what our Mimi Karen said? Mm -hmm. She grew up in like a really small town. They used to put in the paper when people hosted parties or bought a refrigerator. (laughs) Yeah, I did see that. (laughs) Wow. I'm like, I would never make the paper because I don't host anything. Well, they would never invite somebody. Like, I'm buying all new furniture and shit. They'd be like, (laughs) <laughs> Jenny bought a a a, a credenza, credenza, and and then returned it, and then bought a different one, <laughs> and bought a different one, and then returned it. All right, so Nels is like, you're writing rumors, and then they discover that Nellie's the one who started the rumor, because she had like a crush on the husband of the premature baby. Ew, Did Nellie's you get like that? sixteen. It was weird. Ugh, it was weird, guy. Okay. Okay, then we learn Rando Eric won the spelling bee, and Harriet is oh, she's pissed. pissed. At Olson's, Carolyn is in the store selling her eggs, and Harriet's like, "How'd you like my column?" And Carolyn calls it inaccurate. Carolyn fucking fact checks Harriet, which is awesome. And Harriet says, "Well, if there are mistakes, I can print a retraction in the very back, little small space." 
And Carolyn's like, that's too little too late. Like, the damage is done. Carolyn goes all NPR on Harriet's ass. (laughs) She really does. And then, Jen, Harriet shuns the hens. She's like, we don't need your eggs here anymore. (laughs) And Carolyn goes, the hens will be happy to hear that. (laughs) I just envision Carolyn going back to the hen house and be like, we're not selling eggs to Olsons anymore. And the hens are like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Garvey overhears everything, and he's in there shopping for his 15th wedding anniversary. And he's looking at a dress, but he can't afford all of it. So Nels is like, dude, I'll work with you. And Harriet's like, nope, because now the Garveys are on her list. She's like, no fucking way, dude. I can't extend credit to you for frivolous things. Why don't you buy a ham? And he's like, you want me to buy Alice a ham for our 15th wedding anniversary? Is it a really good ham? I don't know. I don't know. So Nels is like, I'm so sorry. Wait, I want to get get back to the chicken and the eggs. (laughs) (laughs) What Carolyn should do to fuck over the Olsons is just take her eggs and sell them individually to farms. Just open up a little farm egg to table. Stand. Farm to table. Yes. And then yes. they never have to buy eggs from Wilson's again. You're telling me that Charles can't construct a little yeah, egg stand. A little egg stand. He could do that overnight. And then everyone can get their eggs right from the farm, cut out the middleman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right, Jen. So he's Jonathan's like, I'm I'm just whatever. And Nels is like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'll just hold the dress for you. Like, does Nels have no say? I guess not. I don't understand why. I don't know. The next scene is Albert running around delivering the paper, and we see the Garveys reading it, and now Harriet is slandering the other stores in nearby towns. (laughs) Like, who's going to go to another store in a nearby town? We've never seen anyone go to another store. No. Mm -mm. Then they discover that she wrote about them being broke, and that they might lose their farm, and the Garveys are pissed. Bankruptcy looms. Jonathan is pissed. Wow. So at the Ingalls, the kids are studying for the spelling competition, and we learn that Charles has boycotted the paper. He is my hero. What is Laura doing in this? I have made a decision. Charles is a social justice warrior. Is he, though? Sometimes he is. is. Sometimes he's really not. He is. He is in when he's going on about the press here. So Laura, what is Laura doing in the scene? She's trying to spell, and she's like thinking physically hard. Like, her face is all squinched up, and she's like, it's like you trying to divide 25 and a half. (laughs) I know how to divide 25 and a half. I just didn't know that was the step I needed to do. How'd you know that? Because 50 cents is half of a dollar. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Never mind. I can't even think about this right now. It just makes me angry. The kids tell Charles Harriet has printed in the paper that she hopes that Eric Schiller wins the spelling bee. Because Eric Schiller has won the class spelling bee. She hopes that he wins the regional where he's representing Walnut Grove. And they're like, that's really nice. Mm. And then Laura's like, wait a minute. Don't trust it, guys. Wait a minute. But she also says she doesn't think victory is imminent because he comes from an illiterate family and won't win because of this. So she's calling his parents illiterate. Yep. Yes, she is. Okay. At the Schiller house, Eric's parents ask him to read the paper, and he starts with, a flood hits Walnut Grove. And they're like, what? It didn't even rain. And he's like, a flood of Eastern styles in Olson's Mercantile. Wow. Then Eric gets to the piece about him, and he reads the first part, 
And then he sees the illiterate part and, and does not and share that, that with his parents. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about this next scene, the spelling bee. I was triggered. Did you pick up on what happened? What you do you didn't. mean? I knew you wouldn't. So now it's the day of the spelling competition. Most of the town is here. Eric gets the word repetitious. Yeah. He spells it wrong. Oh, no, I didn't pick up on that. But they let him go. They say he got he got it right. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, he spelled... I have it on tape. Okay. I've rewound that thing ten times. Did you audit that spelling bee? Well, I'm like repetitious. Good job. R-E-P-E. Good job, ma'am. Good job. Just remember the beginning. R-E-P-E. That's repetitious, right? Yeah. The actor says R-E-P-I. Oh, that's and wrong. then goes on to da da da, and uh, Alice Garvey's like, "You're correct," and everyone claps. <laughs> I have it on tape. It's going in the meme. Amy meetings. is the spelling police, or I guess yeah, consistency well, police, accuracy police. Well, I was just like, "What's going on?" Look, I'm no speller, but I'm like, "This is wrong." I was triggered because I'm really bad at spelling. So am I. Well, I mean, I'm okay at spelling, but I have to write it. I can't stand there and recite it. I think it's a real me special too. skill. It's a visual thing. To be me. able to, like, if I could write it on the board, I would stand a mm-hmm. chance. But, like, mm-hmm. standing there saying it, forget it. I'm screwed. It's a visual mm-hmm. thing. Okay. So the next word is xanthrophil. And Eric spells it incorrectly and runs out of the school upset. So he loses. Yeah. Okay. Because cause Harry Dolson is intimidating him. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she is. She's sitting there, like, sucking on her pen, and he clicking gets, it. And he gets all nervous, and he says the L twice, which he probably knows is, like, he just kind of stutters in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, the next day, so, Eric, in his tantrum, running away, left his Bible. So, yeah. Charles grabs it. Not so Eric, the, the day, parent. Right, right, The right, parents sorry, left yeah. their Bible. The next day, Charles heads over to the Schiller's farm, and he's like, Miss Garvey said you quit school. Wow. <laughs> wow. This was, wow. this escalated quickly. That's an overcorrection for losing a spelling bee. <laughs> He's like, Papa does fine without schooling. I can too. And Charles is like, look, Mrs. Olson is winning here. We cannot let her win. She is our common enemy. So tell your dad and your mom what she really said about them. Why you really quit school. And let's all fucking right. get that bitch. Right. Okay. And did you notice that Eric Schiller's father, one, once Eric tells them what Harriet really wrote, that they were illiterate, his father gives him the American exceptionalism speech. Like, in this country, you can do yes. anything. You can be yep. president. Jen, how was your life under President Eric Schiller? Uh, <laughs> was he born here? Can he be the president? Because, you know, that's a big fucking thing. I don't know, but I thought about that. I thought, oh, God, people will be all up in arms because his parents are immigrants, (laughs) God forbid. Yeah. All right. So then we see Garvey arriving back in town after driving to Sleepy Eye to apply for a loan to buy that dress for Alice. And he didn't get the loan, Jen, because the banker read the newspaper. This is a disaster. That's why everyone's all up in arms about social media. We had social media before. It was called Mm -hmm. the fucking gossip column. It was called sensationalism. Yellow journalism. Yep. Yep. So, Charles is like, we need to talk to Sterling. This cannot happen. And John, he's like, Jonathan, do you want to come with me? And Jonathan literally goes, I can't. I'm in a rage. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm going to beat his ass if I go over there. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to use that from now on. I can't. I'm in a rage. <laughs> 
So Charles tries to appeal to Sterling, but Sterling don't give He is such an asshole. This guy is such an asshole. Oh my god, he could care less, guys. Charles, not in a baller move, not only quits his delivery job, but he quits his kids' jobs for them, too. <laughs> and I think Jonathan's, too. I think yes. like, he just quit quit everyone. <laughs> the next day, we see Harriet come over to Sterling, and there's, like, Sterling's, and she's, like, attacked by a dog. <laughs> yeah, that was random. <laughs> Sterling isn't there, so Harriet checks her copy in front of Laura and Albert, and one thing she writes is, there's a rumor that Nellie Olson has the highest moral character in the town and would never be seen with a boy out at night. Okay. And other ridiculous compliments and fake news. Then she leaves the copy there and you immediately see the light bulb go off in Albert's head. <laughs> well, I like how little convincing it took Laura. <laughs> I know. Albert's like, we need to change these the type. No, he's like, you know, we, we to, have the power We there. need to check this type again. I think it's wrong. Laura's like, we checked it a thousand times. He's like, no, I think it's wrong. And like, she like starts to get it. She's like, okay, I get it. So the next day, the people of Walnut Grove are running to the mercantile because in the paper, it says a hundred percent off everything. Baller move. People are just grabbing shit and running. And Harriet and Nels are like freaking out. Nels has to close the doors and lock them. And it's a whole thing. <laughs> Well, who Just is it? What's her name? Uh, was it Miss Foster that Ms. ran Foster off? Miss Foster grabs the clock. Damn. It's like a gold <laughs> clock. He runs off with it. Just as Nels gets Harriet calmed down, Nellie bursts in crying, saying she hates her mother because in the paper it says, with Nellie Olson's looks, no boy would be seen outside with her at night. And can we discuss how Willie's smiling through the whole scene? The it's whole hilarious. Scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is loving And then this. Harriet reads that Harriet... Harriet Olson's hair is not all her own, and neither are her teeth. It's <laughs> pretty good. Harriet starts crying, Jen. And Nels comforts her, like, what the fuck, Nels? Nels is secretly enjoying it, too. I don't know what to think about Nels. But we, I just have that this is Facebook for Walnut Grove. Like, this is Walnut Grove Facebook group page. Yes, it is. At the Ingalls, Laura and Albert are watching as Harriet is flipping out on Charles and Carolyn. Carolyn is telling her the kids are being punished, and she says the kids should be punished for publishing such lies. And then Carolyn, master of shade, says, well, Harriet, if you're, you know, if you're not wearing a wig and if your teeth are real, we'll just print a retraction in that very small space in the back of the paper. Baller. She's amazing. Jen, next paper comes out, and guess what? Nellie hand delivers a copy of the paper to Albert, so you know. Oh, no. It's not going to be good. And it's not because the paper says Albert is a bastard. And the whole town is laughing that Albert calls Charles Pa. And that, and then Harriet writes, okay, again, <laughs> my theory that everyone wants to bang Charles. Harriet writes, maybe he is Charles' son. And in that case, maybe the joke is on Caroline. How dare you? I just wrote, "You, oh, no, you didn't. You came for Caroline. How dare you? <laughs> have you not have you not watched the last five seasons of your own life? Do you not know you do not come for Carolyn? Charles is going to get you now. Charles it's is done. gonna go biblical on them. Mm-hmm. So Jen, Charles is losing his shit. And oh wait, and another thing is she also wrote something about the Schillers that she predicted the son of a literal parents would lose the spelling bee. And by the way, Mr. Garvey's considering buying his wife a ham for their 15th wedding anniversary. Oh my God. Charles is losing his shit. And guess what he says? I will get my revenge 
at the pulpit. <laughs> so, Jenny, you know in my previous life I was a copywriter, right? Yes. What is a copywriter? Don't you check the copy to make sure that... Or do you write no. the copy? You write the copy. Okay. An editor checks so, it, right? Right. Yeah. So we used to write commercials. I used to work yes. at a radio station. We would write commercials. One of our favorite commercials to write was for the big Monster Jam truck events <laughs> at Pocono Downs. Oh, my God. And we, my friend Jason and I used to fuck with the guy who used to record them, my friend Ethan. And we would put Sunday, Sunday, Sunday in there 150 <laughs> times. <laughs> and he at one point was like, I sound like I'm coked up. <laughs> so I've decided to write an ad for this Sunday's main event <laughs> okay, at great. the Walnut Grove Church. Great. So here it goes. Okay. This Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> In Walnut Grove's first annual Bible brawl, it's Charles, the preacher Ingalls, versus Sterling Murdoch and Harry Dolson. Will the Eighth Commandment be enough to tackle the yellow journalism of the mighty pen and plow this Sunday, Sunday, <laughs> Sunday? At the one-room schoolhouse in the center of town, this church will be rocking with rapture as our one-man David takes on the Goliath of 19th century smut. Get there early because the four horsemen of this apocalypse ride at dawn. <laughs> tickets available on first come first serve basis. Tickets available at Doc Baker's. Tickets <laughs> do not guarantee entry. There will be no actual horsemen at this event. Okay. So that's what's coming to town on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Charles in church on Sunday gets up at the pulpit and in a master class of shade. Says he forgot his Bible, Jack. Master class of shade. But Mr. Schiller has loaned him his. So I would like to invite the most upstanding citizen, Harriet, to read Exodus 2016. I don't know that how Harriet didn't see this coming a mile away. Harriet can't read it. Why? She's like, <gasps> I can't read this. It's in, it's in, what does she say? Some gibberish. Foreign gibberish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles is like, are you illiterate? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> and again, Nels and Willie are smiling. So basically, he calls her on his bullshit and he says, you know what? The Schillers speak two languages, which is more than most people here speak. Yeah. He's not wrong. And then he says, you know who else speaks a different language? Sterling Murdoch. He speaks a language of innuendo and lies, and we call that yellow journalism. Which I guess is the worst thing you could ever say to a newspaper or a reporter, is that they are involved in yellow I still feel like he doesn't give a fuck. But whatever. Charles brings up the Eighth Commandment, Thou shall not bear false witness. And then he shames the entire congregation for reading the paper and supporting this bullshit. And I just wrote in all caps... This is fucking amazing. Charles gave a proper Christian guilt trip. Yes, he did. And he accuses them of delighting in the suffering of others. Which which is called? Schattenfreuden. Schattenfreuden. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Which is a German word for, basically it means pleasure at the misfortune of others. Not necessarily pain, at the misfortune of others. Which yep. we don't really have a word to represent in English, but ironically, there's a German word to represent it. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what this town is doing. Yes. He says, when you go out and buy that paper on Saturday morning, you practice the very sins you decry in this building on Sunday. 
It's not wrong. I mean, he's amazing. And I'm not going to lie, this scene is so hot, I was here for well, it. Well, did you see I Carolyn just, like, just staring at him the whole time? Oh, he's totally getting banged tonight. <laughs> Carolyn's giving him the eye. So after the shaming, they decide to sing, and then Nels leans over to Garvey and tells him, come by and pick up that dress. I'll give it to you on credit. Nels is doing business during a hymn. <clears throat> yes, he is. So, Jen, in the Laura voiceover, we we hear that the pen and plow went out of business a month later. Well, Why? They, well, they have no employees, A. Eh? <laughs> so that's going to make it really hard. Believe me, I'm sure somebody else will pick it up. <sighs> Paul hopes that someday the town will have another paper, one that prints the truth, because freedom of the press is as important as our other freedoms. And that's the end. That's the end. This was quite the episode. <laughs> this was, it was dramatic. Harriet is the worst. Yeah. She's awful. So I guess we're getting to whose fault is this? Whose fault is it? I mean, this is Harriet's fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say it's Sterling's fault, too, but, like... Although... If who's she had... worse? The devil or the person who knows the devil, sees the devil, and lets the devil go crazy? Nels. Oh, well. So you're going to try to blame Nels for this? And I'm not saying that, like, it has nothing to do with gender roles. I'm saying he has all this inside information that she's going to write all this shit. And he does nothing. And, I mean, Sterling, I don't know how well he knows Harriet, but I think if she had written, like, really good journalism, he that would have been, like, he he doesn't care. He just has a product. He gets it out the door. It's selling. He doesn't give a shit. Good or bad. Doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. This is Harriet's fault. This is yeah, Harriet's fault. I agree. Okay. So, Jen, at the end of every episode, we look back on a theme or a lesson or something we picked up um, from our childhood when we first saw this, or maybe something we got on the re- rewatch, and we talk about how it impacted our generation or us as adults. We call it our why it's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So, I really think that this episode, because I remember this episode. And I really think that this is part of the reason why I don't trust any source of anything I read ever. <laughs> like, I have to be convinced. Like, I have to, like, check another source. Like, there are certain sources, like the New York Times. But even sometimes the New York Times, I'm like, this feels a little skewed. Like, I got to mm-hmm. check out some stuff. Like, I just don't trust anything. Where I feel like boomers, we were just talking about this in the beginning of this episode, just trust everything they read. Because it comes well, from, like, you know, a, a authority, right? So my why is similar, so I'm going to bring it in so we can have the full conversation. All right, just step all over my why. So I wrote, this is why I thought journalists were honest, because when I saw Paul's reaction yes. to this, I was like, oh, so journalists are supposed to be Well, really they are honest. supposed to be. Journalists are supposed to work in right. fact. Like, that is, a, right. that is what is supposed to be. Right. So I... I guess I just grew up trusting the news, and I don't now. Yeah. And I don't want to give anyone the impression that I believe in fake news. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, I, even if I hear something that would make me happy, like, say I hated Steve Gutenberg, <laughs> the actor, and I read that he was, like, sex trafficking children through Ikea cabinets. <laughs> would really double and triple check yeah every you, source you feel like on that I, you feel like secretly not surprised but feel like this is probably not <laughs> right. not the right news nothing against who who are we even talking Steve about Steve Kuttenberg I the know actor. Who that is. 
Okay. You know how I am with that. I don't know mm-hmm. who they are mm-hmm. ever. Or no, no, no. Say, say I heard that Scott Bayo. <laughs> Like, he had to have done something. And I would be like, okay, even though I know he's an asshole, did he really do that? No. Like, 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 Scott... like selling secrets to the Russians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be like... Like, I know mm. I hate him, but that doesn't sound... That sounds a little far-fetched. Yeah. Right. Like, I would... Do- like, so I do have a sense of... But I also just grew up, I think, really trusting that the news was the news. See, I feel like this taught me the opposite. That someone could just write whatever they want. People believe it. Did you really, were you really into the news as a kid? I was into the Weather Channel later. Oh, I remember you were, yeah. I got into the Weather Channel. I don't know how you found the time between that and your gambling addiction. (laughs) (laughs) I used to watch the Weather Channel all the time. Like, I mean, I had it on. It's not like I was sitting in front of it watching it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. That was um, a weird time of my life, apparently. I spent the last, like, three years, four years as many people in this country did, obsessed with the news. And now I cannot, I, I can't even, like, local news I can't even handle. Well, I don't, I Mom don't. Mom will call me up and she'll be like, did you see blah, blah, I'm like, nope. Well, Mom's nope, on a steady nope, diet of murder nope, in CNN. Nope. I mean. I cannot, I cannot, cannot. The, I used to watch, I don't have, I haven't had cable in like 16 years. When I had cable, I would have like CNN on and shit. But mm-hmm. now I just listen to NPR all the time. So news is on, but they don't. They don't just have a continuous news thing. Like, there's different shows and there's all kinds of things. Well, and there really is, like... I'm going to talk politics for one minute, guys. Like, I'm sure people are not surprised to learn that I did not like Trump. Okay? <laughs> right. But there there was part of me when I would put on CNN when the anchors would be like, Donald Trump is terrible. People. That's not news. Like, this is not that news. That is not news. Yep, I agree. Like, as much as I would like to relish yeah. in that... Yeah. That's not news. Right. And when you turn on a news network, yeah. that can be very misleading. That's why and I that listen to me. NPR, because NPR mm-hmm. is one of the few stations that, although does does tilt somewhat liberal, just in its mm-hmm. content, but like right. when they have a story on, they try to like get somebody else from the other side of it to like, you know what I mean, get a different point. Yeah. Like they get different points yeah. of view in. And like, sometimes that's really stressful too. Yeah. But, like, you, you hear different sides of it. It's, like, the most balanced news, I think. Like the Yeah, most... I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Like, I just feel like I would turn on the TV and be like, guys, like, can we talk about yeah. something else today? Well, you, like, it, 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 I agree. Like, all, all of the news sources were super slanted. Different yeah. directions. But, yeah, that's not, yeah, yeah. that's not journalism. It's not journalism. And I don't know how that's allowed yes well i don't know how you're allowed to call yourself news right like right. you can you can be an opinion joe that's totally fine you can be that yeah, but you, ha- yeah, you yeah. can't present yourself as factual if that's the case right right it's really crazy all right guys so jenny why don't you tell everyone what is coming up next uh, i hope you all enjoyed Schoolboy father by the way God. on our patreon which was amazing <laughs> it was a hot mess that show and I hope you're all happy about our announcement that we're going to be covering Love Boat, some Love Boat episodes on our Patreon. I'm really excited about that, Jen. Okay. Okay. So the next episode, season five, episode nine, The Wedding. Hmm. Adam proposes to Mary and they plan a wedding in Winoka. Charles and Carolyn cannot afford to send the whole family to the event, so they are forced to make the trip by themselves. 
All seems to be going great until Mary, who fears that she and Adam can never be proper parents, calls the whole thing off. <laughs> Whoa. I'm all into this. Maybe Charles shouldn't have quit that newspaper job if he wanted to send everybody to the wedding. Okay. The newspaper's gone. Okay. All right. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Hi everyone, Amy here. If you like what you hear and would like more content, please consider joining our subscription service, Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you get two bonus episodes. Plus, you can hear our entire back catalog of bonus content we've recorded so far. Some of the movies we've covered are Jaws 3D, which was absolutely terrible, Teen Wolf, which may have been worse, Dead Poet Society, the best movie ever, and Summer School. We're also covering some amazingly terrible after-school specials, like Stoned with Scott Baio and Which Mother is Mine, starring Mrs. Cunningham and Mary Ingalls. Brilliant. You can sign up for Patreon by going directly to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or you can download the Patreon app. Just search for Gen X This Is Why and subscribe. You can also visit our website at genxthisisy.com or visit the show notes where we have all of these links for you. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.